Hi, everyone. I'm Heaven. Me too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, it completely threw me off. I know. <laughs> uh, and welcome to another run with Heaven and Heaven. <laughs> What's going on today? You have such a cute giggle, Tracy. First of all. First of all. What is going on today? Today we have renowned poet Jenny Zhang. She's going to come to the studio and read a poem for us. Oh, Jenny's the best. And we're going to talk about higher education and being brown in white spaces Woo. and rage and uh, cuss words. It'll be fun. And white dudes that are parodies on themselves. Yes. <laughs> Oh, hey, Sam. Hey, girl. Hey. When you get here? <laughs> so one of the things that we like to do on this podcast is have fun for absolutely positively no reason other than fun is fun. We are a fan of joy. I would say this is an accurate assessment of our we show. We are joy enthusiasts. I'm so excited. Yes. We're going to play Games with Friends. Yay. Our new segment friend. where we just bring our friends into the studio and play games with them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, first guest, Bim Adewumi. You yes. may remember her from her incredible episode, Don't At Me. <laughs> Iconic. Bim! Yay! Games with Bim. Games with Bim. Yes. Playing a few games with Bim. That was beautiful. Thank you. Come, that come was on, all Jingle. Come um, through. Come through. <laughs> Call me Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> I will not do that. <laughs> um, we're so excited to play along with you. Yeah. If, Thank you. All right. What are we playing today, Tracy, though? I got a tweet a while ago about a game called Billionaire Banshee. And somebody was like, I want to hear you guys play this game so badly that I will even send you a copy of the what, game. What is a money. Banshee? A Banshee is like a crazy ghost woman that screams a lot and she's like evil probably got like red eyes and stuff yeah is it like specifically gendered yes it is a banshee's always one a, a, like a woman haunting you yeah, yeah. but like, like a spirit the, yeah. not like a ghost like a spirit and her job is to right. kind of yell really loudly at you which is basically like you I know wish. saturdays right <laughs> just but shouting. like but you've heard the phrase screaming like a banshee before this is true. I have. That's that's it. I that's guess I never thought from. about who's screaming. Yeah, um, <laughs> and why? <laughs> I'm sure it's just like a for just her life. She's yeah, just I'm, kinda, sure, yeah. I'm sure she's, she's just a woman, a woman who's yeah. existed. Just kind of like down the streets. Patriarchy. Ah! Like, yeah, in the afterlife, I'm a scream. Okay, right? Can I live? Can <laughs> I scream? Can a bitch scream? Shout out in the, the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so what is this game? So billionaire banshee is a fun party game. Where you have two decks of cards, right? Mm -hmm. There's a card of perks. So they're just like random favorable characteristics that you would find in someone. Okay. And there is a pile of quirks, which are <laughs> weird The things we forgive about people. <laughs> right. So the way this game works, we all we are all single for the time being. If we are not single outside the studio, I know I am, girl, but I can't <laughs> talk about that right Yo, now. Yo, chill, chill. Um, <laughs> so we're all single. So this so, is like The Bachelor for Banshees? Kind of. <laughs> I don't I'm get it. sold. <laughs> so the way that it works is upon whoever's turn it is, mm -hmm. the dater, you pick a perk, you pick a quirk. You okay. read them aloud, and we have to decide whether or not you would date that person. Okay. Right? And then at the end, you give your answer and your explanation. Wonderful. I'm very intrigued. Would anyone care to volunteer to go first? Can you do it? Sure. <laughs> All right. So my particular uh, paramour... Oh my goodness. Thank you, good word. Wow. My paramours perk is that they are an evolutionary leap ahead. And they also have like what qualifiers. Does that even mean? Glad you okay. asked. They have night vision. They can hear better than a bat. They're a superstar. 
more capable limbs. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> okay, that could more be capable. Yeah. I'm leaning in. I'm leaning in. I know. Go I'm on. listening. <laughs> And in spite of being so far ahead of everybody, they do not have a superiority complex. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. Okay. I, I would be terrible if I was an evolutionary. <laughs> I'd be I'd be such a dickhead. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, oh, y'all oh, got the same limbs. Cute. I'm out here cute. doing different limb things. Cute. So the quirk is that they have a disco ball sized amount of pubic hair. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> they will not shave. <laughs> it does not smell. <laughs> And you cannot see it when they're wearing clothes. It's the size of a disco ball. So would I date someone? Oh god! Would I date someone who is an evolutionary leap ahead, but has a disco ball-sized amount of pubic hair? I mean, hair is just hair, though. I mean, yeah, we're all God's children. <laughs> Even the hairiest That's ones my of us. To dating. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. Here's how I'm feeling. <laughs> Pubic hair, you know, I'm not trying to down anybody for what they choose to do with their body. Bodies okay. grow hair. They're yes. supposed to. I really resent men being like, oh, you should shave your underarms and your legs because blah. Because what? I'm yeah. not a child. I'm not also, an adolescent. meanwhile, have you seen their pits? Have you seen right, right. pits, there chest, is... back? Some All of y'all got hairy Shoulder, Shoulders even. Yes. <laughs> Shoulder, like but tufts of hair on your shoulders. You don't, get to say, no you don't get to say anything. You don't. <laughs> You don't get to say If I'm a not word. growing the hair from my eyeballs, you're just <laughs> going to have to suck it up. Yeah. Right? Also, if I was. Yeah, exactly. So I have hairy eyeballs. What of it? What of it? Word. As a, as a hairy woman, I uh, self-identify as that, yeah. as what Bim just said. Right. What of it? So, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yes, I would date this person who is an evolutionary leap ahead who happens to have a disco ball of pubic hair that does not smell bad. I don't buy the physics of that. You can't see it. Well, that's just <laughs> that's the thing. That's wild. That's the truth. You can't see it. Okay, Heaven, you want to you wanna pick your yes. turn? Yes. Okay. Heaven's boo. Come on. So, Perk. <laughs> knows and can perform every sex act. Damn. Um, so, to further explanation, I don't know if that Please, needs explanation. Yes. Yeah. So uh, details. Willing to do anything you like. Mm, good at up. every sex act. Mm, okay. Happy even if you like vanilla sex. Mm. Don't mind if you're a virgin. Mm. I mean, you shouldn't mind. Right. You shouldn't Fuck out of here with Ooh, that. It's not an like... illness. And even if it was an illness, man. <laughs> yes. just, what's wrong with <laughs> you? Fuck out of here. Um, okay. okay. That's the perk. Obviously, We're working I'm with, with this so far. Okay. okay. Let's hear the quirk. Yeah. They can read your mind. Nah, that's Ooh. cool. Hell no. <laughs> all thoughts, all thoughts can only read your mind. Can't turn it off and you can't read their mind. No. Good day. Good day, mm -mm. sir. I said I, good I day. I got secrets. No, no, that's it. You don't need to know it. everything that's going on in my no. head. I no. Mm -mm. all the way with you guys. <laughs> good. <laughs> no way I'd let anyone no. into my brain. Hard pass. No. <laughs> <laughs> hard yeah. pass. I don't care what sex stuff you're good at. No. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out later. Take your knowledge and you get the hell out of this house. Yeah, brain. You get out of my bedroom, sir. <laughs> I said good day. <laughs> All right, Bill. Okay, I'm, I'm going to so read mine good. now. Okay, so my, uh, for this, this is for my, my would-be lover. Mm -hmm. Here is a perk. <laughs> don't laugh. That's my would-be lover. Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uncomfortable with my taking a lover? <laughs> I'm truly not. <laughs> truly, I'm not. <laughs> I am a little bit. I don't know why. <laughs> All right, Ben, what you got? Okay. okay. So my person owns a super yacht. 
Ooh, yes, yacht exactly. party. What is a super yacht? It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a yacht, but like it's like a yacht on super. steroids. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a lot. It's okay. the kind. It's the kind of yacht Russians own. Um, rich Russians. Wait, so specific? They have a specific kind of yacht. Oh, just no, haven't you Russians? heard about the super rich Russians of Why London? I've heard about super well, rich Russians. Well, get London. on my level, Tracy. I'm, I'm trying. Oh, I'm waiting get on my level. <laughs> okay, so my person owns. Oh God, my person owns a super yacht. They love taking exotic trips on it. Okay. Um, the yacht is fully staffed. Ooh. They can afford. Yeah, right. People. I'm. I'm a very. I'm richer, bitch. So, my yacht is fully staffed. They can afford the yacht it's a smooth ride which means there, are, there is no seasickness okay. and this is the best bit the yacht has a built in hamster circus wait I'm sorry what? hold on <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> it's a circus what for hamsters and <laughs> let's pass out that sentence it's, it's, a, it's a hamster circus wait wait what wait, wait, wait. like a circus for hamsters to come and enjoy the show no no or no the hamsters it's, are the it's a circus show made of hamsters okay so like they can do tricks. <laughs> I feel like that'd be so boring is what I'm thinking. Are you mad? Hamsters um, are like, hamsters are perfect. For a they, circus? They can't have okay, souls. Can't riddle riddle me this. Okay, first of all, imagine seeing a hamster in a tiny biplane. <laughs> okay. Wearing goggles okay, and cute. a little scarf. You know what? Very I am. Cute. You're right. Flying around. No one can yeah, deny but they that. Yeah, but they can't like enjoy it though. Who told you that? They don't have souls. How many hamsters do you know? Personally. I Ooh. met one. See that one is not a sample. It's not a proper sample size. Okay, but I've you seen one picture for all of, of them, Tracy. I'm just saying for hamsters. Yes, I do. <laughs> you think hamster lives don't matter? <laughs> no. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let me read the quirk. Okay. Now. Okay. So, oh, anyone that they text turns into a stuffed animal. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so horrible. Absurd. That's wait, really absurd. Wait. Yeah. Oh, oh wait. They're, they're like qualifiers, though, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. So he says they won't text me. So they won't. They, they won't okay. text. Yeah. Uh, the stuffed animal cannot talk or move. Okay. The animal does have the victim's mind. <laughs> Jesus. <Christ. laughs> this is a horror film. <laughs> this is a terrible horror film. Oh my god. And then there is no way to undo the curse. Oh <laughs> snap. And they will stop texting if you want. Oh. So if I'm ever like, don't text anybody else and turn them into a stuffed animal. He's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Or See, do text someone else. Yeah, right, right. right. That's what I'm wondering. Like, if I can control this, then hell yeah. I got a list of folks that I, I would need, love, like, I you want to turn into stuffed, stuffed animals. <laughs> like, I want them to go away, but Silence. Not die, that know? is That is the word. That is the grimmest <laughs> sentence you've ever said. I don't want them to die. I just want them <laughs> to be silent. Yeah, just don't ever say what? anything again. That's serial killer talk. It is. Um, I do I'm think feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could very easily change that person to like a phone lifestyle or an email lifestyle. They got they don't have to text. Yeah. Right, that's true. That's yeah, very like true. Just, I don't even but, like texting. I'm not a fan of texting. What? Wait. Yeah. Talk to, talk to me. Talk to I, me. I call people. What? Yeah. Do you I'm find that, that they person. enjoy that? <laughs> <laughs> I texts are ridiculous. I don't like them. Mm-hmm. They take up time. It's they easier do. a lot of the time just to pick up the phone and say, "Listen, I'll see you at four. Yeah, all right. See you at four. Bye." That's Listen, it. I, feel like that's I not hear true. you. I hear you. I am a poor texter. Same. So I'm not even I a good defender. Right. <laughs> but I would prefer if I'm gonna fail at either calling somebody or texting somebody. Mm-hmm. I would prefer text to be like my thing that I'm just like not good at. I do feel like one yeah. thing that's true about millennials is phone anxiety. 
Yeah, it's real. Really? It's I real. do think that's real. Listen, when I first started therapy, one of my things that I wanted to work on was like having phone conversations. No, same. Like, I'm not saying it's always easy. I'm yeah. just saying that it's easier. Texts are just terrible. That's no, just my feeling. So no. based on that alone, okay. I'm kind of like we don't have to we don't have to text at yeah. all. So no one needs no no one needs to be stuffed. All okay. right, Ben's no lover <laughs> that so, she's okay. taking yes. yeah, does I, not text. Like okay, but what if this person gets real vengeful? Like what if we have a fight and he's like, I'm gonna text your mama, and I'm like, no, no, and he texts my mama and turns her into a stuffed animal. Precisely, this is too dangerous. Nah, I'm not. I'm not the, here the for it either. Not no, because it's you know not. what? It's bad enough that people can put out like photos that you sent mm. while you were together. <laughs> <laughs> but then you might be able to turn my mother into a. St- no, That's too much power. No, no one I love man my or mother. Woman should have no that much one power. should have that much power. Mm-hmm. No. Okay, but. get out of here, yacht guy. Get out of here. <laughs> Take your super yacht with you. <laughs> can you please come back so we can play more around? Yeah. I would absolutely love to come back. Games with Bim. It's happening. Beautiful. It's happening. Beautiful. Bim, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at B-I-M-A-D-E-W. And you can find me on BuzzFeed.com, the website. And you can also find me on a newsletter called The Fuck Is This? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Bim. We love Thank you. you. Thank you. So you know how sometimes we have calling questions where we ask you stuff like what's your wildest microaggression or what's your craziest street harassment story? And we ask you to send us a voice memo so that we can maybe play it on the show. There is a much easier way for you to do that now. And we're excited to share it with you. There is an app called Rotate where you can record your response and send it to us directly from the app. And you can also listen to other people's responses or you can send them anonymously if you want to. We know that you have jobs. And it's dope because we get so many really, really good voice memos that you never, ever get to hear. And this way you can hear all of them because you can go and listen to other people's stories. You can upvote people's stories. People can upvote your story. So everybody feels good about themselves later. (laughs) So you go to the app store and you download Roll Tape. That's R-O-L-L-T-A-P-E. And uh, it's pretty easy. It's pretty self-explanatory. It'll walk you through everything that you need to do to set up your account and start recording. And to start it off, we're going to give you three questions. You can answer one of them or two of them or all of them or none of them and just listen to other stories. But if you do answer them, then you might hear your story on a future episode of the show. So these are the three questions to get you started off. Number one, what is your funniest sex story? Two, what is the dumbest conversation that you've had while high? And three, who is your problematic fave and why? And if you want to submit your story anonymously, just look for the Another Round account and send it to us directly and nobody will ever know about the crazy shit that you be doing. (laughs) Once more, the app is called Roll Tape. That's R-O-L-L-T-A-P-E. It's free. It costs you absolutely nothing. And we cannot wait to hear from you. We are very excited to have Jenny Zhang in the studio, poet, Yay. writer, extraordinaire. Jenny, I know you brought a poem to share with our Another Round listeners. Can we get a little taste? <laughs> I did bring a poem. Yay. Um, I know how you guys feel about poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I like good poetry. And I have a good feeling about yours. No, poetry should be judged harshly and with standards. Okay, this is a poem called, I Would Have No Pubes If I Were Truly In Love. I love it already. <laughs> This I know, this I'm sure of. The only non-white person at the poetry reading was totally related to me. 
I don't call anything a dream. Your primeval stink really gets me. I think fucking is P and V, but later my mom tells me there's more. Is P pussy and V vagina, I say? You must try everything, she says. I say it too, always striving to be someone's mirror. Everyone tells me I am my mother's mother. Both of us were born with curly pubes that straightened out late in life. She tells me about a Chinese academic, and I'm like, I'm a Chinese academic. And she's like, yeah, but not like him. So yeah, I am not like him. I don't have anything to say. I don't have very many ideas. After falling in love, I smell medicinal shit everywhere. Trying to locate the source, I trace it to the inside of my bedroom walls. If you never marry and stay in New York, no one will ever see the lovely paintings from your childhood that hang on your walls. Yeah, mom, I know that. Is that what you want, she inquires. I know the answer. I know my answer. I know the answer. Still, I don't think I have enough. Still, I don't think I think enough. At home, I make Minnie Mouse dive into my muff, and I swear to God she is the only one who gets me. You, my dear Minnie, are my best and only friend. No one else in this whole world understands. At the library, I swear to God I shit myself standing up, reading Sweet Valley High, squeezing my cheeks with determination when Bruce Patton grazes Elizabeth's breast. Later, I swear to God I wrote Grace's, her breast, in my diary, and I'm so excited by this first evidence of poetic greatness that I wipe my big, sloppy cunt lips on my diary so I can frame it and get it shown in the next Whitney biennial. I know lots of white guys who have done this, who have rejected their family wealth, framed their own cum splattered against the front page of yesterday's newspaper. I have been offered day-old semen in a champagne glass that came with the discounted Moet my mom bought from Costco. It is important to get a good deal on cum vessels. Tomorrow, I think I shall shop in bulk for flour and sugar so that I can bake cum cakes for my own true love. How good I am, how saintly my practice becomes, how generous I naturally can be. It's everyone's party, it's everyone's right. Just because it offends you doesn't mean you should make everyone else feel like shit. Just because most days I feel like doo-doo doesn't mean you shouldn't say sorry every once in a while. Every once in a while, my mom is all like, say sorry, and I'm all like, say sorry, and she's all like, say sorry without the say, and I'm all like, say sorry without the say. I bet if she could, she'd stuff me right back up her little cunt, and we would fulfill each other in ways we cannot dream of now. It is not so doo-doo to be admired when someone says, I dream of your rice paper skin and those almond milk eyes and your water lily breath gets my American hamburger so completely solid. And like, um, yeah, I know. You think I don't see myself the way you see me? But I'm not going to make this about me. I'm not going to eat Keats' eye after all and use it to see who will read me when I'm dead, to see who will write about the women in the fire after the rest of New York's landfill floats away. I swear I am related to every single person who has ever suffered. Not that this is about me or my suffering or how I am at the center of all of this, how no one has ever had it the way I have had it. People who know me ask, how does it feel that the most tragic thing about you is something the average person cannot ever see?
It feels secretive, I shall say, at the next party. It feels wonderful, I shall say, at the next dinner. It feels tremendous, I shall say, at the next wine and cheese. I feel everything, I shall say, to the one person who has suffered nearly as much as me. We are both so lucky, I shall say. We have both lived so much, I will say. Don't you think so, I find myself saying? Don't you feel it to be true? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> yes, girl, yes. That was a journey. I yeah. know. <laughs> so one of the things that I really, really admire and have always admired about poets is their willingness to like use their own traumas and like their mm-hmm. own bodies in a way to tell stories and like do a public service to other people, which I feel like you mm-hmm. were just talking about. And there's this quote that says, intimacy in my writing is important to me and it's difficult for me to articulate why vulgarity and explicit language is part of that project, except to say that what might be bad manners at a formal dinner is my sincere attempt at intimacy in my writing. Um, Wait, did I say that? Did you? Did. you? Not? Did you not? I did say it. Oh, my God. I forgot. <laughs> I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. So that's, I'm, I'm definitely an oversharer now yeah. as I sit here in front of everybody as a 33-year-old woman. But it's not a thing that I learned when I was writing poetry. Yeah. <laughs> How does your family interact with your art if they do yeah because i know that when you were reading your poem earlier i was like oh my gosh she said pubes and in, in the c word and she's talking about her mom she in the said same pubes poem. and mom in the same <laughs> sentence right, 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 right. i was like oh my how, goodness clutching my pearls <laughs> how do you do that like is yeah do you worry about like what your family might think or say or what like people that you really really respect and don't yeah. want to like quote unquote let it because i mean everybody knows that a vulgar woman quote unquote is sure. like scandalous which i think is ridiculous so right how do you navigate that space yeah, how do I <laughs> behave like a slattern? <laughs> what does that word mean? That's I a great word. <laughs> I think it's like what Shakespeare used to describe Ooh, like whores. <laughs> I love Shakespearean. <laughs> like knaves and slatterns. <laughs> I love it. I, I tell myself that my parents don't read it, which is not that delusional because my parents, you know, English is not their native language. So mm-hmm. for my mom, for example, I tell myself that she can't understand it. Mm-hmm. I mean... Anyone can Google Translate anything. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's clearly a lie I use to make myself (laughs) do what I want to do. I mean, in the end, it's like um, being shameless is kind of important to me because uh, as like a woman of color in this world, I'm like constantly being told that I should be ashamed. Like Mm -hmm. I should have some shame. I should... Um, except how other people see me, which is as like someone who's not much, who's not worth much. So I have to be kind of shameless because that, it just helps me. And I don't know what my parents think about it. And I don't know why it is that I feel free. (laughs) The first time I ever saw a therapist she was like, tell me about yourself. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I was like, well, the most important thing that you need to know about me is that my parents love me unconditionally. They don't understand me, but they love me unconditionally. Mm. And I was like, 
as I was saying it, I was like, whoa, that's actually true. Like, they don't understand me. And for many reasons, because I did not grow up in the country they grew up in. I do mm -hmm. not speak the language that is their home. Um, they do not speak the language that is my home. They do not know so many things about me. And I don't know so many things about them, but they love me unconditionally. And that's all I could ever ask for. And I feel like for a lot of people, a lot of children of immigrants, they feel that way, mm -hmm. especially if you are someone with like a lot of ambition who has done what your parents want you to do, which is be really successful and really great. It's suddenly like you're in this world that they can't possibly understand. And that's what they wanted for you. You mm -hmm. know, they wanted you to be in that world. But it's also sad because now it means there's a part of you they'll never understand. Mm -hmm. Um and I think for me, it's like knowing that part of them loving me is accepting that they've released me to be someone that they can't understand. Oh, wow. that was beautiful. <laughs> That's hitting a little too close to home. Just wrote a poem in front of my face. <laughs> that was amazing. I'm always so interested in like how, because I tried reading my own poetry back when I wrote it back in 1876 years ago. <laughs> And I struggled a lot with like how I was supposed to read it because like there was like the whole spoken word cadence. And mm. then there was like I had teachers who were like, you know, you're not supposed to read it the way it is on the page. And then they were like, you are supposed to read it the way that it is on the page. Mm. And I was just like, I give up. I quit. I quit. Yeah. So <laughs> how do you think about performance of poetry? Yeah. No, this is super interesting because there there are these two camps and they're super in some ways, super racialized, super class stratified, you know, the way that I could. Uh, quote unquote academic poets talk about spoken word poetry. Is Wait, often... sorry, what are the two camps? So I, I feel, feel like, like I'm not well okay, versed in this. I feel at like all. there's academic poetry and then there's like spoken word poetry. Mm -hmm. And spoken word poetry like usually means, uh, first of all, like that you're a person of color, um, usually black, usually someone who's like suffered a lot and went through a lot of trauma. And there's like a certain way that you read your poems. Like there's a sound and like a cadence mm -hmm. and like a beat. And uh, I'm not going to try to even imitate <laughs> it. But you know, um, and it usually um, is thought of by, I feel like, academic poets as mm, just like you splattered your emotions on the mm -hmm. page. It's artless poetry that is only interesting because it's filled with pain and people are too polite to really criticize pain. Mm -hmm. And uh, then there's like academic poetry, which is like worthy and like you know, deserves a lot of attention and a lot of, like, study and um, you could really spend your whole life, like, studying this poem mm -hmm. um, that has, like, three words in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's typically white, right? And it's always white guys. Mm -hmm. um, it's white guys and people who... I guess, like, think of themselves as white adjacent. People who have, like, gone through... Um, white adjacent, you said? White <laughs> <laughs> uh, supremacy will fuck you up. <laughs> people who've gone through institutions and have clearly succeeded in mm -hmm. institutions. People who um, have been, like, buoyed by, like, institutional support and academia. And usually that um, is the kind of poetry that, you you know, you'd really want to claw your eyes out after a minute of hearing it out loud. Oh um, my God, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's just, you know, a toenail clipper to your soul um, to listen to people um, who write that kind of poetry, read it out loud. I mean, there's a whole other world that exists 
beyond between and outside of that where Mm -hmm. it's like people who don't necessarily feel like they come from the tradition of spoken word um, but they also don't come from the tradition of like academic poetry Mm -hmm. Um, and there's somewhere in between like they're a little too weird um, about their trauma um, to really be like accepted by like people who are like fucking amazing at spoken word but they like have uh they're too interesting and too fun to be in academia Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes exactly and so i'm just like um i don't know there's no home for those people and you kind of have to make your own and i feel like i don't know tracy maybe you were you you didn't have a home for your like brilliant poetry back then you know what i really (laughs) feel like i didn't and rather than create that home for myself i was like poetry's just not garbage for me. Yeah. yeah I was in grad school for two months exactly two months I went that to that is the appropriate amount of time <laughs> <laughs> and I studied poetry at Temple in Philadelphia mm. I was one of what I recall two black people yeah. in the entire poetry program was right. your program like that Oh my God, there were, I don't think there were any black people in the poetry program. Because you got your MFA in poetry, right? Yeah, actually I got my MFA in fiction. Oh, fiction. You went to that uh, that famous writers program, the MFA program okay. yeah. in, in Iowa. Yeah, I went to the Iowa Writers Workshop. I think my year, there were two people of color in the poetry mm. program out of 25 or maybe 50. Ugh. I don't even remember. I mean, it's changed, but yeah, I was like that. Yeah, okay, so... I mean, that to me wasn't like a shot because I come from a school that basically had the same number of like brown people on the whole campus. So I was cool with being the only brown person in the room. But I was like, this is going to get very sticky when it comes to evaluating like the worth and merit of our work. Right. So teacher was this white lady. Bless her heart. Bless her heart. I get to class ready to talk about what a poem means, right? You know, what the author is going through or the sure. speaker is going through this situation. And this is how they're like conveying like the meaning. And I found that they weren't interested in like the meaning of a poem. They were interested in like the mechanics of a poem. Right. And I was like, well, this really, I don't want to do this for an entire semester. Yeah. And so after a few classes, I'm like, all right, let me, let me talk to this nice white lady about the struggles that I'm having <laughs> in this class because I was, I had talked to the other black girl and I was like, you know, the teacher sometimes says really shitty things about race. Is that yeah. bother you? She was like, oh, you get used to it. It's how she is. I'm like, cool. I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to interact anymore. So I went to her office hours and like, I was like stressed. It was my first time away from home, first of all. Yeah. I'm in Philadelphia. It's huge. And I'm just like, I'm studying this thing that I don't want to study, but I'm trying to make it work. So I go to her, I'm very, very emotional, right? And I start crying. And then I get mad at myself because I'm crying because I'm like, I'm sure she thinks that I'm just not like smart enough to keep up or whatever. You know how like the second guessing that you always Mm do when you're brown in a white space. Sure. And so I tried to explain. I was like, this is not how poetry tends to function in black communities. Like the storytelling is like, it's gotten us through some really, really shitty times in history. This is more the function of it for us. So I can't really find the worth or importance in talking about how an in stop conveys movement in right. somebody's iambic pentam. You know right. what? I just I tried really, really hard. <sighs> and this <laughs> the seemingly nice white lady in the next class spends oh, twenty minutes, and this was her attempt at like smoothing over this chasm that I was explaining to her. Yeah. She spends 20 minutes 
describing to the rest of the students in the class the differences between white poets and black poets. Oh, my God. And that included her saying, well, you know, black people talk very rhythmically like this. And no, 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 no. Oh, God. And it was in that moment I was like, I have got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I just, and even before, like, I gave it one more, like, hurrah, and I wrote one of the worst poems I've ever written in my life because I was just trying to write something that everybody could, like, digest in the way that they were, right. like, used to, to digesting it. And I just felt so erased. And I felt like I was being told that, like, my work was worthless indirectly. Yeah. And I was just like, how, why would I listen to this woman who comes from, like, this completely different, like, set of experiences, like, right. both literary and social? Like, who is she to tell me that, like, my stuff is not... Totally. Good enough, you know? So I got the fuck out of there after two months. <laughs> you stayed. <laughs> tell me why and tell me how. I witnessed so many similar situations, the one you're describing. Oh, God, and it's so frustrating, too, because, mm. like, in that situation, it's like this white woman, instead of acknowledging her own lack and her own um, just complete lack of fluency she instead tried to make up for it by yeah. telling you what like from the very little that she knew like explaining it oh it's mm -hmm. so gross um i stayed i think the only way you can survive um an all a nearly all white writing workshop is to be uh like bawling out of control egomaniac mm. um <laughs> are you so. saying <laughs> You have tenants of that particular personality? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when people said things like, I don't think a Chinese immigrant would talk this way, mm. I would just think, well, you have no idea. So you're always wrong. When mm -hmm. you start that sentence, you're never <laughs> <Yeah>. correct. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> you could never finish that sentence with a correct thought because right. it's just not possible for you. Uh -huh. um, so I won't be listening to any sentences that start that way. And also, I'm going to be highly skeptical. I mean, I had a friend who wrote this like really beautiful story um, about growing up in like the Midwest and this white professor took my friend aside and my friend is like a Korean adoptee mm -hmm. um, who grew up in the Midwest and the teacher was like, you know, really good story, but I think it's really important for you to write about yourself, like to plumb your upbringing. And my friend was like, um, yeah, my upbringing is mm. living in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, like really think about who you were and like really go like delve into your past. And he was like, um, yeah, my parents are white. And like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just this thing of like, uh, You're not being Asian enough for me. Right. Yeah. So I'm not going to accept the mentorship of people who, um, don't see me, don't know mm. me and don't understand me. Um, what I will accept is the free money, <laughs> Hello. Hey. um, the free time because I only had to teach, you know, one class twice a week. Mm. And if you can do that, then, then do that. But I also, you know, I'm just someone who's had a lot of experience coming up through these like super white institutions and, I don't know, like I can pretend to be white adjacent a mm -hmm. lot of the time because mm -hmm. I look like a non-threatening small Asian woman and I have like a small voice. It's 
easy for me to like exist in these institutions. I mean, inside I'm going crazy and just mm. sort of being <laughs> filled with like a rocket <laughs> ship of resentment. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> but I'll always smile, you know, like I smile. And um, when like a small, you know, fairly petite Asian woman smiles, uh, <laughs> people think everything's jolly. White people relax. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So you, you, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> they do unclench. <laughs> um, so you wrote about this. You wrote a little bit about this in a BuzzFeed piece called "They Pretend to Be Us While Pretending We Don't yeah. Exist." It what? is a fascinating read of white supremacy. In Listen, it is like I'm a read. I'm a read. Amazing. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, first of all, incredible title. <laughs> <laughs> what led you to write this piece? What happened? So basically. Uh, this white poet, Michael Derrick Hudson. Wow, it's kind of, he's such a good case study for what happens when you tell a white person that, like, they're not good at what they're trying to do. <laughs> oh my, I'm listening. Oh my God, when you tell a white person no, <laughs> let me talk to your manager. <laughs> Sir, Listen, I'm a publisher. I, I don't was have told a by AppleCare. <laughs> <laughs> So what happened with this dude? Um, he'd been publishing poems under his uh, name, Michael Derrick Hudson. And then there was this one poem that he couldn't get published. And he decided to submit it under the name Yi Fen Cho, which is like a Chinese woman's name. Um, I don't even know if he knew uh, <laughs> like the gender and actual ethnicity, <laughs> but, you know, an exotic Asian sounding name. And he was so open about it that when it did get accepted into a poetry journal and accepted into the Best American Poetry Anthology, in his bio, he sort of like openly described that he had submitted his poem under a Chinese person's name to gain the advantage that he believed Chinese people and by extension I think people of color have um, in getting things um, okay so time out let's just <laughs> so let's many just, questions let's just <laughs> summarize so this white man has one poem that nobody wants to print um, I believe it was rejected under his real name 40 times 40 times oh uh, yeah so the first time 40. somebody was like nah he's like yeah no you talking about <laughs> let me do this again 40 different times because there's no At way moment this 39 thing that I made. he was like nah I still got this I still got this <laughs> so this man very he engages in literary yellow face yeah picks a Chinese brazenly. name brazenly and then once he finally gets what he wanted doesn't have the common sense or decency to be ashamed of it. Yeah. In the bio. He's like, surprise. <laughs> what? That happened. And I had a Stanford professor who he, he was publishing like this anthology of short fiction and it was like full of white guys and he wanted it to be more diverse. Oh so instead God. of reaching out oh to actually God. like <laughs> find, you know, writers of color, he just published his own short story Whoa. under a fake name that was like vaguely Asian and vaguely like a woman's name. What? So this stuff like happens all the time and like... In their mind, what do you think they're thinking? They are like... I don't know. I mean, in the case of someone like Michael Derrick Hudson um, or in the case of anyone who thinks like if you're not white, you're luckier in this world, mm -hmm. that you'll get more things. Mm. When they see the lives of people of color, they don't see any of the pain. They don't see any of the injustice. They don't see any of the indignity. Mm. They just see 
what we get. Yeah. Like they see the scraps that we get and they're like clawing for it. They're like mm -hmm. so covetous that because of all the shit that we have to endure, every once in a while, someone like throws us like a bone mm -hmm. and they're like so mad that we even get that single bone mm -hmm. that they're like trying to snatch for it. Like yeah. they want that bone on top of the feast that they're already fucking feasting on. Uh. <laughs> go off, bro, go off. <laughs> So nobody at home can see this, but everybody in the production room is standing and applauding right now. Go on. Very well deserved. Um, so there are so, so many just truth bombs in this essay. I tend to not read things because my brain just doesn't sit still long enough for me to read. So I just read it like a couple of days ago. And I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna pull out a couple of quotes that I really like. Yo, there were some fucking fire quotes <laughs> right, in there. Fire. Right, right, right. I want to read a couple. I also have one. Um, do you want to read yours? Yes, first? it's very okay. short. Your pain is unexceptional and does not matter until a white man feels it too. That was one of my quotes, girl. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is too real, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is too real. <laughs> so I really, really, really loved this one. Everything people of color must endure, our sensational pain and our sensational brilliance, must be accessible to white people. They must have it in their quest to be rewarded. Put one more way, white people don't like it when we don't do well and they don't like it when we do. Mm. But most of all, they don't like it when they don't do well. Whoop. <laughs> some tea on that one. <laughs> I feel like so many of our conversations come back to the mediocrity of white people in general <laughs> and white men in particular. Like just the idea that like you, you, you created trash, sir. Yeah. This is not good. And they're just like, the 39th time not. won't matter. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> insane. Insane. Yeah. And also like you created trash because your imagination is very limited. And like, it makes sense. Like your imagination is limited because you've never had to imagine what it's like to be anyone other than you. Like mm -hmm. no one forces you to have to see someone who isn't, who doesn't have an identity that map that maps onto yours exactly? Mm. So, like, no wonder, like, it's just you a know, muscle they haven't developed. Yeah, yet. were most of your professors? I assume yes, they were white in Iowa, but were they? Um, yeah, every single one of them was white. It's really weird thinking about Iowa right now. Did you guys read that Jezebel article that came out? Um, no. About uh, Thomas Sayers Ellis. Who that? Um, Thomas Sayers Ellis. He's this black poet who uh, was teaching at Iowa. He was a visiting poetry professor at Iowa. And do you guys know Vita? Mm -hmm. It's it's that it's organization. like a place that always surveys like media, newspapers, etc. Exactly. Like just okay. statistics, statistics wise, like demographics, what's going on in the newsrooms, who's there, who's not accounted exactly. for. Exactly. So Vita published a bunch of completely anonymous um, testimonials by. Ooh, I'm mm -hmm, listening. Mm -hmm, <laughs> by a bunch of different women, and basically it's just um, testimonials that range from. Anything like a lewd comment that this poet Thomas Ayers Ellis has made to them to, you know, full on sexual assault <gasps> slash rape. Jesus. Uh, the University of Iowa, uh, the Iowa Writers Workshop um, just uh, made him basically like canceled his class mm -hmm. um, and transferred all of his students over to other teachers, which is like an unprecedented move. So Gia Tolentino wrote this long piece for Jezebel 
it's hard to explain, but she was like kind of questioning the methodology of how this poet was like kicked out of his position. The title of that article, in case anybody wants to look it up, and we'll also put this in the newsletter, is, is this the end of the era of the important, inappropriate literary man? Mm-hmm. was Woo! published on Jezebel by <laughs> Gia Tolentino. I can't wait to get into this. You know how... <laughs> <laughs> you know how when you're when you're watching like TV, like the news or something, and there's a report of like a crime, and like you're like, please don't let him be black. <laughs> That's what just happened to me. I, know. I was like, no, bro, <laughs> we can't one. afford this right now. We can't afford it. Um, I know it sucks. It's not to say like they shouldn't, you know, be fucking punished mm-hmm. for assaulting and hurting women or whoever, but it's this thing of like, I'm often like, well, how do you think? someone who has their own set of trauma and their own just pain to deal with like how do you think someone like that gets to this position of power they get to like there Mm -hmm. has to be an element of like ruthlessness Mm -hmm. in like their climb to power yeah and that's why I'm like not surprised sometimes when like men or women of color are like then exposed to have like done something that is like truly horrible and repulsive Mm -hmm. but also it is such a disappointment because it's like again like so who do we have to look up to then like all of them keep being exposed as Mm -hmm. having done these wrong things I think of it as like the way that like oftentimes the abused becomes an abuser exactly you know I had I had this super super woke uh, white history professor (laughs) way back in the day his name was Mr. Walsh we were talking about the misogyny and like black movements and Mm. he was like um you know it was really really bad and he wasn't like making light of the fact that a lot of like men of color like would abuse their wives and their families but he was like you know when you live in the world where you're stripped of all your power where else do you find it exactly you know not and again like this is not excusing it at all but you know i mean it's the abuser becomes the abused unfortunately this was a it was a tangent okay well it's not really a tangent because you write a lot about tough personal topics like relationship abuse. Mm-hmm. Good transition. Um, thank you. Good job. Masterfully Good job. done if I do it say was. so myself. <laughs> I admire anyone who writes personal things in general, mm-hmm. but that's also specifically hard to talk about. Why was it important for you to tell that story? And like, what do you think people don't understand about abusive relationships? Hmm. I wrote this piece for Rookie. I dated this guy who was psychologically and emotionally abusive. And I noticed after we broke up that he was repeating the stuff that he did with me with um, other women. And it was that thing, again, of like, I don't want to invite drama into my life. I don't Mm -hmm. want to engage with this person. I want to cut him out of my life. But then I would see him do the exact same thing to like a 21 year old girl and then Mm -hmm. like six months later to like a 40 year old divorced woman with three kids. And I'm like what is my responsibility here in terms Mm of, I hate this word, but sisterhood? Like, Mm -hmm. shouldn't, wouldn't it be so easy for me to say something so that this doesn't have to keep happening? And this is the issue too, right, with like men who are abusive is um, they're outed and then they pick up and leave and move to another place or another community where they can just continue to do what they do. The official channels really do fail women because what they require is an extravagant, obvious example of like perpetrated, sustained mm. abuse. A mm-hmm. perfect victim and a perfect crime. Exactly. Oh. And it's never that. Mm. And to to require that 
I mean, it's to require a fantasy. It's like a fiction. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to write about that for young girls, Mm. especially because when you're a young girl, (laughs) I don't know, it's like you think that being loved by someone is going to save you from like all of the pain that you feel. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like the people who come at us strongest with these purported love and intentions to see us and and take care of us are, are are not they're not really seeing us the patterns of abusive relationships like they're so cliche in a way like I just feel like if I had someone had told me to watch out for those signs when mm. I was 14 15 mm-hmm. I don't know if it would have helped I mean maybe I would have been a brat and been like well I'm gonna be the exception to this rule <laughs> <laughs> um but I feel like it would have it would have been nice to have some I don't know to have like a little bit of education about that. This is pew 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 pew. This is our rapid fire question part. These are finger guns. <laughs> Do you believe in astrology? Oh my god. Um no, but I love what it does for me. What does it do for you? <laughs> it gives me a like a whole system of categories that aren't the depressing ones, which is like race, <laughs> ethnicity, <laughs> and gender. You're just an Aquarius. <laughs> I love that. It makes me feel like a carefree white girl mm. where I'm like, oh my God, I am so Leo rising. <laughs> so I love it. <laughs> Yo, about to get into astrology. That's amazing. Um, what book is on your nightstand right now? Oh my God, there's like 20. <laughs> uh, I'm reading Bob Kaufman. He's this really cool beat poet that a lot of people don't really know about. Um, he's like this black poet and um, he's kind of like crazy and dada and cool. And then I'm also reading Cruel Optimism <laughs> by Lauren Berlant. I think that's how you say her name, mm-hmm. which I think is like a really uh, good phrase. Um <laughs> to describe um, a lot of things. Um, and also, Don't Let Me Be Lonely by Claudia Rankine, which is mm. a really amazing book. Um, uh, there's like too many, but those are the three that I'm thinking of. Okay. I just watched a documentary about Bob Kaufman. Really? Yeah. Was it mm. Like Forgotten Black Poet of the Beats? I didn't know there were black people in the I Beats. Know. Right? I know. I had no <laughs> idea. It was very moment. Yeah. Check him out. He's cool. Mm-hmm. What movie have you seen the most? Oh God, Home Alone. Oh, <laughs> no offense. Good. Yeah, do you hate alone. it? I do. What? I, I can't mean, believe like people hate Macaulay Culkin. I don't hate him personally. <laughs> <laughs> I just do you like just I'm, find it obnoxious? I don't even. I wouldn't say obnoxious. Just boring. What? It's like this kid, and he's like getting the best of adults and making yeah. them look like fools. I feel like it would be right up your alley. <laughs> I, I hear that logic. <laughs> it just seemed boring to me. And then I realized, like, people love them. I mean. Yeah. See, love is a strong word. I just don't hate it. Um, okay. Let's do some, let's do some weird shit. Um, Wait, no, no, no. Oh. Talk to us about your theories about matte versus glossy Ooh, lipstick. Yes, yes, yes. Ooh. Okay, guys. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> the days of gloss are coming back. Um, Ooh, okay. Are they? So, I feel like I just got into matte, though. Oh my god! Well, I kind of just got into lipstick. Period. Honestly, like Matt. No, there's there's pluses and minuses. So Matt, I feel like so we're like in this like '90s revival moment, right? We're like really '90s nostalgic right now. Um, I feel like Matt 
is like you're a woman. Like, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. Like all day you're a woman uh-huh. and this never, you know, it never comes off your lips. Mm-hmm. Um and gloss is like you're a cute girl like um mm-hmm. <laughs> you Get know glasses popping. Yeah, you're 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 so cute. You were you were backpacks. Um, there's butterflies swirling around your head, um, and Matt is like Kylie Jenner. Your face is a 38 year old's face, which oh, is like a white girl Lord. thing. Lord. <laughs> but I know that you're a teen, and I feel like we are like about to move from away from Matt into gloss because the early aughts was all about like Christina Aguilera mm-hmm. and Britney Spears and extra shiny. Yeah, extra shiny. Wait, so you think in a few months, years, Kylie will be rocking glossy, not matte? I think so. I don't yes. know. Mm. I don't know. Maybe she never will. Like, maybe gloss will never come back. Actually, as I was thinking about this, <laughs> <laughs> I was like in San Francisco thinking about this and it was like really windy and like my lips were just like just like my hair was just like all on my lips yeah, and like with gloss situation the gloss, yeah it's yeah. so sticky yeah and also when you- once i got a gnat trapped in my lip gloss <gasps> oh my god <gasps> yes are you serious yes a gnat i'm appalled a gnat i was like all right we're done here <laughs> this is this is the end of my gloss but you know who loved a glossy lip though and she's very very important oh to me Wait. as an icon i was gonna get can i guess yeah is it no, wait, I'm not going to guess. I was going to say J-Lo. Oh, no, that's not who I was going to say. Okay. Love J-Lo, though. Um, She's so glossy. <laughs> <laughs> so glossy. I was going to say Tiffany Pollard, a.k.a. New York. Oh, my God. Oh my the God. VH1 yes. franchise. I remember there was this scene where she was like, I don't care if I don't have anything else on my face. My boobs have to be up to my chin and my lips have to be glossy. And I was like, you know what? Yes. <laughs> May you always have glossy fried chicken lips, girl. May you always. Gloss girls are more fun. I'm just going to put that out there. Ooh. You know what? I have like two or three glosses at home. I might I might test this theory <laughs> at some point during the week. What is your favorite 90s fashion trend that's coming back? Ooh, I don't know if it's coming back, but I love super wide leg jeans. You know, the ones that can fit four or five pairs yeah. of legs. I think they are coming back. I've been seeing, well, I've been seeing no. more bell bottoms and that's yeah. like step one to no. like the to like the full person pant leg. Yeah. Are you <laughs> super against like the Django? It just, it's too much. They're, yeah. They just don't It's just too much like, fabric. Yeah. yeah. Like what if you get caught in the rain? It's going to take you seven hours to get home. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're doing all kind of crazy squats. You don't have the legs strength for that much wet you don't it's true um okay now let's get weird okay would you rather have an incredibly adhesive face right cool or an incredibly magnetic crotch magnetic as in not like all the boys and girls are trying to get in it, <laughs> right but like literally metal is metal. like a track <laughs> yeah 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 are there penises in the world with the o- opposing metal? <laughs> that is a great question. Um, I guess if somebody had like a piercing. Oh, God. Then yeah. I don't really want like pierced dicks like flying into my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll have to do the adhesive. Mm-hmm. It's like a like a scotch tape adhesive. Yeah, like things just get stuck to it. Nets, for example. <laughs> hair would get stuck to it. You know, you hug somebody, then their hair would get stuck to your face. Ooh. I would shave my head bald and only befriend bald people <laughs> and mm. do the adhesive. Okay. <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. I don't, don't want to leave. Aww. I know we have. This was such a good conversation. 
open invitation. Please come back. I would love to. You guys are the best. Oh, you're the best. <laughs> Where can people find you in your work? Um, I guess you can find me, you know, in like the lawless land where everyone resides the internet (laughs) Uh, I'm Jenny Bagel like bagel with cream cheese on (laughs) every single social media handle so you can find me on all of them alright is there a website where people can read more of your poetry I guess you can go to (laughs) JennyBagel.com or just google my name Uh, there's like 60 other Jenny Zangs and you should also get into them (laughs) (laughs) All the Yo, thank you so much this for coming. So this is thank so good. Thanks, guys. We did it. We did it. We did it again. Hooray! Yeah. Hooray! <laughs> Congratulations on making it again. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. Who are you buying around for? I'm very excited to buy around for a book I'm reading called The Noonday Demon. Ooh. An Atlas of Depression. Oh. <laughs> yes. So it's like a 700-page book all about depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite Friday night activity. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It's not like... Um, it's basically a well-researched look at like every single aspect of depression, mm-hmm. like the populations it affects, the different types of medications people take, like the different ways people's depression manifests. I feel like it's such a specific thing. Like you, I don't know that much about other people's depression. I only know my very unique experience. Mm-hmm. But of course, I have many, many a depressed friend. <laughs> <laughs> so this book is written by Andrew Solomon, who's a professor of clinical psychology at Columbia. It's won like all these awards, National Book Award, mm. nominated for all these things. And I think it's just gotten all those awards because it's so thorough and so good, so well researched. And like, I feel like it's not like cold and clinical. It like has empathy and real human stories. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's just been helpful for me to center myself around like just the basic. I, it's such a hard thing to combat every day but just your brain fighting itself. Mm-hmm. Like reminding yourself that your brain is wrong sometimes. Yes. It's helpful to have these facts from a like <laughs> clinical psychologist to remind you, hey, this is like having a broken leg. Yeah. You would not say that to someone with a broken leg. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't tell them to sleep it off. Right. You can definitely tell it's written by a white man. Because <laughs> <laughs> he'll be like doing good research and whatever. And then the next sentence he'll be like, and that's why people of the world should. Uh... It's like, sir, you know what? Oh. Just stick to your expertise. Don't, oh, don't, don't. <laughs> um, what made you pick up this book? So a friend of mine is doing, uh, she's writing a book about schizophrenia. So she's been doing all this research. Shout out to Sandra Allen. Mm -hmm. She's been doing all this research about the different, like the most up to date and like best practices of the field right now as it stands. There's Mm -hmm. so much that people don't know. I've definitely gotten a lot of comfort from it. Nice. And I've given it to people and they're like, wow, I understand myself better. Wow. Say the name one more time. It's called The Noonday Demon. An Atlas of Depression. Which is a great, great title. I know. Noon as fuck, yo. <laughs> Coming out the paint for no reason. <laughs> Who are you buying around for, Trace? I am buying around for Ken Burns, the documentarian. Ooh. Um, I love documentaries. Mm-hmm. And his are just so well made. Word. They're so, and these are like not like your hour long documentaries. These are, oh, like, these are like six <laughs> hour. <laughs> yes, it's a multi-part. Yeah. And I really like his movies because he just talks about a lot of stuff that I'm interested in, like jazz and like 
the Prohibition era. Yeah, he's a great historian. Yeah, like he tells stories so, so well. He also made the Central Park Five documentary, which mm. is one of the best and most devastating things that I've ever seen. Word. Um, and he most recently made a documentary about Jackie Robinson. Oh my God, I've heard so many good things. Um, I've been watching it for five days because <laughs> it's so long. <laughs> But it's really, really, really good. Mm. I happen to notice that he does very well with black history. I have noticed that as well. And he he makes it a point to insert it even in like stories that are quote unquote not black. Mm. You know, like the it makes sense that like we would be all throughout like the jazz documentary. Sure, because sure. We, That'd be wild if we, we were not. It. Right. <laughs> but um, one of my favorite documentaries that he's made was the Prohibition documentary. Ooh. And he talks very specifically about like how life for black people was different mm. during the Prohibition era. Word. And he just like takes very good care to like tell an inclusive story. Oh, respect. Because one of the biggest problems with history is that the people who write it don't care about like anyone who doesn't like look like them typically mm. but um he's he, or just don't even know they're missing something yeah or they just like just don't even know that these are stories that you should look to that right. these are like this is the thing that we experience differently mm. he um he i think might be the, the most slept on woke white man out there oh okay strong claim i think, he might. You I know think what? he might i hear that mm-hmm. shout out to kim Burns. yeah i love him and, and the things that he makes Tracy, we made it. I can't believe it. <laughs> See him. See him. You know what? After talking to Jenny, I almost want to wanna go write a poem. <laughs> highest praise from Tracy Clayton. That very, very high. Yo, shout out to Jenny for coming through. And for reading us your badass poetry. Yes. Uh, shout out to the pod squad. Pod squad. Hey. Hey. Na, 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 na. Oh. Can't jiggy with it. Na, 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 na. <laughs> My favorite thing every day is playing a game with myself that I like to call which random ass song is gonna have <laughs> is heaven gonna remind me of. Anyway, this episode was produced by Eleanor Kagan and Antonia Sarahito with production help from Julia Furlan, Jenna White Sperman, and Meg Kramer. Thank you to Paul Ruest at Argo Studios. We appreciate you endlessly. Shout out to our super talented musician friends who blessed us with music for this podcast. Jean Grey, you can follow her at Jean Greasy on Twitter. And Don Will of the rap group, Tanya Morgan, you can follow him on Twitter at Don Will. Thank you to Heaven Louise. Shout out to Tracy McGee. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Broken McPoverty. Hopefully one day you can follow me on Twitter at Richie Von Moneyheimer. You can follow me at Heaven Rance. <laughs> I feel like that's a staple in my life. <laughs> um, also, have you subscribed to the newsletter yet? What do are you it, doing? What do are you doing it, with your life? Do it, do it, do it. Go to buzzfeed.com slash another round slash newsletter to sign up. It's the best thing on the internet. Also, check out BuzzFeed's other podcasts like Internet Explorer, The Tell Show, BuzzFeed's newest politics show, No One Knows Anything. Mm-hmm. They um, don't. That's a thing I should listen to. I definitely <laughs> know nothing. Um, hit us on the buzz. Hey, hit us on the buzz. Hey. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Another Round. Email us, anotherround at BuzzFeed.com, and rate us on iTunes. Leave a review, please. Um, drink some water, take your meds, call your mom. I have a bug bite. I just realized <laughs> I've got my first mosquito bite of the season. No! It's time. It's coming. Uh, prepare for the mosquitoes, everyone. <sighs> the mosquitoes are coming. They're coming. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. Give me the title of my new book. Well, Can I make scream <laughs> in the afterlife? I'm, I'm gonna pre-order six coffees. Yes. I will have twelve actually. Oh my yeah. god! Can a bitch scream? Okay. All right. Let's let's focus. <laughs>
my paramour's perk is that they are an evolutionary what they're an evolutionary leap ahead oh i misread <laughs> i was like what is a leap head <laughs> the hell is that a perk okay they're an evolutionary leap ahead what <laughs> <this> means... <laughs> you've broken heaven and i hope you're happy leap head. i'm sorry i'm sorry i feel that way too when i'm reading though because there are like some words i'm like how did y'all know that to not combine those <laughs> right like uh in jane eyre the place she lives or something is called gates sheet or something That's gates head um, mate that is what i is what i thought yeah gateshead? but it's gates if you were from how england you know? if you were from england you how would you know? know that was gates head you know what right. you're right gates i thought it was gates sheet yeah oh in your in your next life you want to come back from England so you can recognize these terrible words and I will be screaming <laughs> <laughs>